today. We probably won't get through this whole chapter today, and we'll probably take up the last part of it at our next uh, uh, session uh, out of this book. But um, so she's talking about in this paragraph, she starts out talking about Satan will present the path of holiness as difficult, but the paths of worldly pleasure as strewn with flowers and good things. And she says, in false and flattering colors, will he array the world with its pleasures before you? And vanity is one of the strongest traits of our depraved natures, and he knows that he can appeal to it successfully. So he will flatter you through his agents. You will receive praise, which glorifies your vanity and fosters in you pride and self-esteem. And you may think that such, such advantages and attractions is that with those advantages and attractions, it's really uh, a pity for you to have to come out of the world and be separate and become a Christian and to forsake your worldly companions and be dead to their pleasure or censure. And Satan tells you that with the advantages which you possess, you could to a high degree enjoy the pleasures of the world. Does anybody, can anybody think of, of, of a time when uh, in the Bible, when um, Jesus was offered the world? Anybody? When was Jesus offered the world? Um, he's up on the thing. Um, when, can you hear me, Karen? Yes, I can hear you. When he was taken up to the um, mountaintop and he was offered the world by Satan. Absolutely. And what was his response to Satan when he was offered the world? Get thee behind me, Satan. Mm -hmm. Shut talking to me. <laughs> I own this anyway already. So, what'd you say, uh, uh, Alvina? Did we're trying to say something? Keep it moving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Get the step and kick rocks. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think he specifically told him because Satan was saying, I'll give you the world if you just bow down to me. And he said, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Mm -hmm. And so in this particular case, she's cautioning the young people, but anybody from enjoying the pleasures of the world, but come out of the world and be separate from the world. And uh, she said, consider that the pleasures of, of this earth will, will come to an end and that each of us will reap what we have sown. And so if we, if we take, if we go down the path, the broad path, we're gonna reap whatever's at the end of the broad path, which is destruction. But if we go down the straight and narrow path, we're going to reap what's at the end of that path. As long as we don't fall off of it and slip and slide off of it or turn back or whatever the case may be, we will reap what's on that path, which is eternal life. Um, and then in the next paragraph, uh, 503.1. Well, I, I had a comment. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Lee. Yeah, on the first sentence where you had read about Satan presents the path of holiness difficult while the path of worldly pleasure is strewn with flowers. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, by, so by very definition, temptation has to be tempting. Otherwise, we're not going to fall for it. You know, if, if he presented worldly pleasure as difficult, then nobody would do it. We just say, oh, forget that. It's too hard. It's no fun. But everything mm -hmm. that you see in the world, 
like even commercials, they'll have a, a say an alcohol commercial or drinking alcohol, and the people are all dressed really pretty and that light sparkling, and everybody's laughing and playing, you know. So it, it tempts you to want to do that. On the other hand, the Bible says there is a way which seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So if they showed you the true result of alcoholism, you know, liver damage, car crashes, death and destruction, nobody would go for it. So, yes, yeah, no wonder that temptation is tempting. Yep, ain't nobody looking pretty, wrinkles everywhere, you know, stuff like that. We're like, nah, I ain't drinking, I'm good. Right, right. Or sometimes with smoking or with uh, doing, doing illegal drugs, uh, very rarely do you see the end result of that. But um, they have recently, you know, I, I, can, I can remember commercials now with the woman that had cancer from smoking. And um, she was telling other people, you know, don't do it because you might end up like me. And she ended up passing away. So, um, yeah, the devil doesn't show you most of the time the bad side of things. I remember one time I was up in the prosecutor's office and they had a, they have a picture in there of a young lady, beautiful young lady before she started doing um, uh, I forgot what drug, what illegal drug she was doing. And they showed a picture of her now and it just didn't even look like the same person. She looked so bad and so awful. And, uh, you know, they wanted to, they, they wanted to impress upon anyone that saw that picture that this is the result of this illegal activity or using these kind of drugs. Um, yeah, they never, they never show you the drunk person in the gutter or the mm -hmm. crackhead, you know, stealing right. mama's toaster and stuff. They just yeah. show you the fun part. Yeah. Uh, in paragraph 503.1, she says, I saw that there is pleasure in industry, a satisfaction in pursuing a life of usefulness. She said, some still urge that they must have something to interest the mind when business ceases, some mental occupation or amusement to which the mind can turn for relief and refreshment amid cares and wearing labor. The Christian's hope is just what is needed. Religion will prove to be to the believer, a comforter, a sure guide to the fountain of true happiness. The young should study the word of God and give themselves to meditation and prayer, and they will find that their spare moments cannot be better employed. Uh, that's 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 um, very good to me, but how many people, once they've had a hard day at work, retire to their couch or their bed or whatever, and they turn on, they open up the word of God. How many people do that or how many people when they retire, they turn on the television or something else, some other amusement say, oh, I can't. I don't I, you know what I'm saying? I, I need something to to uh, relax my mind, but it's the television or it's something on their computer or something like that. I think the meditation would be good. You know, I when I was working at the phone company, it was talk, talk, talk all day. Then when I get home, I just want to have some quiet and relax. But I think meditation is very helpful for that, where you can just sit, you know, get your own little spot and just mm -hmm. you thinking about the Lord or thinking about nature or just calming your mind, you know. Mm -hmm. But like you say, a lot of people don't really think of it. In fact, some people in our church 
don't believe you should meditate because they mix it up with Eastern religion. Mm. And they say you um, praying to these foreign gods or whatever, when, you know, you're just meditating on the Lord. Don't right, mean right. you don't mean you praying to Buddha or the idols or none of that stuff. Right, right. And the Bible talks about meditating on his word. Yeah, and we just read about meditation, but mm -hmm. some people, they don't, you know, people get stuff in their mind and they don't really research it or do any investigation. They just hear what somebody said to them one time and they just stick with it mm. and miss out on a lot of blessings. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, next paragraph, 503.2, she says, wisdom's ways are the ways, wisdom's ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. And so she says, dwell upon the marvelous plan of salvation, the great, which is that meditation you were talking about, Lee. Dwell upon the marvelous plan of salvation, the great sacrifice made by the king of glory, that you might be elevated through the merits of his blood and by obedience, finally be exalted to the throne of Christ. She says, to be brought into favor with God, what a privilege to commune with him. What can more elevate, refine, and exalt us above the frivolous pleasures of earth? To have our corrupt natures renovated by grace, our lustful appetites and animal propensities and subjection to stand forth with noble moral independence, achieving victories every day will give peace of conscience and can arise alone from right doing. Have you ever had a, let me, let me just ask this question. Have you ever thought to yourself uh, when you were, being tested and afterwards you realize you were being tested and you said, you know what, man, I'm tired of failing. I'm tired of failing. And I don't mean like, I don't mean like academic tests, but just uh, uh, spiritual tests. Uh, I'm tired of failing. I'm tired of failing, Lord. I'm tired of failing the test that you, that you bring to me. Has anybody ever, ever been in that position? And so you decide that, um, you know what? I want to be able to pass the tests because that's how we progress in our Christian walk is passing the tests. Not, I mean, obviously if we fail them, we should get back up and keep on moving forward. But has anybody ever had that experience where you just said, Lord, I'm tired of, I'm tired of failing the tests. Never, yeah, not at I've all. Had that. Go ahead, Alvina. Go ahead. I've had that. Um, I've had that. I, I, I seem like, you know, the Lord would tell me, give me some insight into a situation and I didn't act on it. And then the next thing I know, someone come and they act on it. And it's all super successful and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just like, it's pretty soon my prayer is just help me do what you tell me to do, you know, or mm -hmm. I don't act on something. He tells me to do then something that I could have avoided, a problem I could have avoided happen because I just didn't do what the Lord told me to do. So then I'm feeling the same. Yeah, that's that. That's it. Mm -hmm. um, Alvina, what were you going to say? I want to say, no, never had the experience. But yeah, right. But <laughs> yes, I feel like, man, I should have listened. Why did I just do the right thing? I should have known different than Ted. I need to stop being hard-headed. Stop mm -hmm. doing the same thing over. Because I don't like this feeling. Yeah, yeah. And truthfully, if we're progressing towards heaven, we're going to get that feeling and that experience that, Lord, you know, I just I don't like doing this anymore. I, I want to I want to pass the test. Every test that comes along, spiritual test, I want to pass it, Lord. And I want to make progress heavenward, you know. Mm -hmm. 
And so we need our corrupt nature. She says in that paragraph, we need to have our corrupt natures renovated by grace and our lustful appetites and animal propensities and subjection, meaning under control, self-discipline and self-control and to stand forth with noble moral independence, achieving victories every day. That will give us peace of conscience. Uh, next paragraph in the middle, she says, you're ever trying to, and she's talking about the young people again, ever trying to find out of Christ that enjoyment, which is only found in him. In him, there are no disappointed hopes. Prayer, she says, how this precious privilege is neglected. The reading of the word of God prepares the mind for prayer, which um, makes me think of, have you ever prayed scriptures? Just prayed scripture and God's promises. I think that's what it's, that's part of what it may talk, be talking about here is praying scripture, praying God's promises, uh, trusting in him and trusting in the, 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 the more sure word of prophecy even. You know, the, um, it says the reason you are restless is you do not seek the only true source for happiness. And we have to realize that true happiness only comes from God. And then people mm -hmm. always say, uh, well, they say uh, the, the people who say money can't buy happiness are shopping in the wrong place. But uh, <laughs> but what 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 this is telling us is that the only true, not fake happiness, not fleeting happiness, but. The only true source of happiness is in Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we get it wrong because the Bible is very clear. You know, <laughs> the, the word of God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? And what, come, what comes after that? All these things will be added to it. Uh-huh. So everything else, everything else that, that we desire you know, Bible scriptures also say, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So everything is saying, put God first. Seek him first and then everything else he'll add to you. Uh, let's see. It does not she... mean. He... Go ahead, Alvin. It doesn't mean he's going to give you all the cake you want. It means all the things <laughs> you need. You know, here's the thing, though, and Andre's standing in the background. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to he's going to change your desires to comport with his will. And then as he changes your desires to comport with his will, you know, I, I, I heard a I heard a saying. I mean, they try to think of how it goes. It says. Um, his will, his bill. <laughs> So, so he will take care of it if that's his will. And if you've delighted yourself in him, that's his will. All right. Uh, let's see. She says, one of the greatest reasons why you have so little disposition to draw nearer to God by prayer is you have unfitted yourselves for the sacred work by reading fascinating stories. And if we bring, if we bring, the fascinating stories for because I don't think in her day she had television and radio and, vi and videos and and uh, uh, um, computers and all of that stuff. So if we bring it forward to our time, we would say um, you have unfitted yourself for this by 
the things you watch, the things you listen, the music you listen to, the things you watch on, you know, on videos and on TV, um, the things you listen to, maybe even on the radio or whatever, things you look at on your computer. So we've unfitted ourselves for the sacred work by, by doing the, engaging in these activities which have excited the imagination and aroused unholy passions so that the word of God becomes distasteful and the hour of prayer is forgotten. You know, one of the things about our human existence right now is that by beholding, we do become changed. We may not think it to be so, or we may think, oh, I can handle this or I can handle that, but the devil is so cunning and he knows how the mind works. And he knows that if he can get us engaged in, activities that that um, take our mind or draw our mind away from Christ, then we have less and less um, desire to even turn to Christ. I was watching a video. Uh, I actually it wasn't a video. It was um, Oakwood uh, live last night where they were having their youth service. And he had a survey that the pastor that was preaching, he had a survey. And he said, uh, one of the questions was, how much time do you spend per, uh, how much time do you spend in the Bible reading the word? And so the answers were daily, uh, maybe twice a week, maybe once a week, maybe once a month, uh, rarely. And so he took a poll because it was a, it was an interactive thing. He took a poll. And so it's very interesting that there, there were more that actually read the Bible every day, but there was half of those. Oh, and I'm going to say probably another, let's, say, let's just say a hundred read the Bible. So one third read the Bible. The other two thirds either rarely or fell into the categories of rarely or maybe once a month or something like that. And so the point being that we spend, most people spend a lot of time during the week on television, computers, uh, listening to music that is not necessarily uh, um, holy, <laughs> I'll put it like that. And so when you're, looking, when you're looking at that and you're saying, okay, I need to be progressing on the road to heaven but you're spending most of your time uh, during the week, let's just say 75, On the road to hell. Right, 75 <laughs> to 80% of your time is spent doing other things. The numbers not, are not gonna add up. They're just not gonna add up. And unless you're spending more time in the word trying to get to God's heaven, then you, you're practicing Burger King religion, which is, you know what, have it my way and expect to end up land somehow in heaven one night of praying and six nights of fun yeah. uh, going to heaven or six to one yeah. but you know i was thinking about when she was saying uh people are uh reading fascinating stories exciting imagination and like you point out now we got internet we got tv and all that well you know if you get cable you got like 900 channels of stuff to watch mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. like where'd all these channels come from then if you yeah. get on youtube it's just unnumbered amount of stuff you can watch right but if you really just actually look at stuff and see what's available a lot of it's really just bs blue snow mm -hmm. that's all it is <laughs> it's just a waste of time just, yeah. and it kind of irritates me that people with the dumbest content on online content 
dumbest, silly, stupid, childish, sophomoric stuff, get all the hits. And it's like, how come nobody really cares about stuff that's true and honest and of good rapport and helpful? They just look for the BS. And that seems to be what people want. Just a lot of BS. Yeah. And uh, like you said, what did you say? One night of praying and six nights of fun. Odds going to heaven a six to one. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that that we have to really reevaluate how we spend our time because how we spend our time determines where which direction we're going in. And um, you know, I I heard I've heard it said that that um, if you're not preparing for the Sabbath every week before it comes, and you know when the Sabbath is coming then you are definitely not preparing for heaven. Uh, let's see. Uh, and she's, so let's go on down to the next paragraph where she's 504.2. She says, and, and, and uh, well, I'm gonna read it first. She says, I saw that there is not one in 20 of the youth who knows what experimental religion is. They serve themselves and yet profess to be servants of Christ. But unless the spell which is upon them be broken, they will soon realize that the portion of the transgressor is theirs. Where have we heard that number before? Not one in 20. You all remember where we heard that number before? Mm-hmm. And one in 20 will be saved. Right, right. Which it's interesting. She didn't even say one in 20 will be saved. She said not one in 20 is prepared for heaven and prepared to be saved. So even, even the very elect are not ready is what that tells me. And so we've got, we've got to get right with the Lord while we still have time so that we can be that one in 20. And she also was saying one in 20 doesn't know what experimental religion is not mm-hmm. just showing up for church because your parents tell you to not just doing it because it seemed like the right thing to do, but actually have an experience with God, trying it for yourself and see, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Many, yeah. you know, when you look at church, there's a lot of young people that are there, but that doesn't mean that they have an experience with God. Really. There's a Absolutely. lot of adults there doesn't mean they have an experience with God. It's actually, Absolutely. have you really tried uh, trusting in the Lord on your mm-hmm. own for yourself? Mm-hmm. Right. So the next question, I'm referring back to the program I was watching, uh, the AYS program last night on, at, on, at Oakwood. And so his next question after he asked, you know, how often do you read the Bible? The next question was, who has had an experiential relationship experiential experience after reading the bible and he explained that to mean that when you read you read a scripture or you read a passage in the bible and all of a sudden the holy spirit just opened up your understanding about that and you realize that you had never known that before realized that before and i think that you know this, this experimental religion, I think that that's what it's really talking about, that you have a personal experience with God through, through his word and through prayer and through study. And God opens up your understanding about something that you did not realize before 
or gives you clarity on something that was confusing to you before. And she says, um, as for the earnest pleading with tears and strong cries to God for his pardoning grace and for strength from him to resist the temptations of Satan, they have found it unnecessary to be so earnest and zealous, which is, which is, and that just described the road to heaven for those who are truly seeking heaven. And she said, um, they find that you find this unnecessary and they can get along, they can get along without it. She says, Christ, the King of glory went often alone to the mountains and desert places to pour out his soul's request to his father. But sinful man in whom is no strength thinks that he can live without so much prayer. Do you guys remember a time when there were all night prayer meetings? Anybody? Yeah, you don't went old school now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we have prayer service on Wednesday nights, every Wednesday night. And we do pray during that time. And then I know that there are online there are online um or or you can dial into different um prayer times now through our conferences and through various churches and ministries um but yeah i mean jesus often went aside and prayed all night how many of us have had that experience how many of us say i want to be like christ or what would jesus do but then it's like, okay, taking a prayer all night, uh, I'm good. <laughs> you know, you just mentioned what would Jesus do? And I forget how long ago, but remember when that was the thing, everybody had the wristband and the t-shirt and the hat. I don't know why that's still not going on. We should constantly be asking ourselves, what would Jesus do? It's mm-hmm. a good thing to remember. You know, we're mm-hmm. supposed to be, following his footsteps. So obviously we should be asking, what would Jesus do? I'm going to follow in his footsteps then. But it seems like even that has fallen by the wayside. That was a good slogan. Somebody should have kept it up. Right. And the very next paragraph starts off, Christ is our pattern. His life was an example of good works. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He wept over Jerusalem because they would not be saved by accepting the redemption which he offered them. They would not come to him that they might have life. So then she says, compare the course of your life with that of your master who made so great a sacrifice that you might be saved. And this is what we just talked about. He frequently spent the entire night upon the damp ground, agonizing in prayer. You are seeking your own pleasure. Listen to the vain, frivolous Hear the laugh, suggesting the joking. Is this imitating the pattern of Christ? Still listen, is Jesus even mentioned? Is truth the theme of your conversation? Are the speakers glorifying in the cross of Christ? Or is it fashion, this bonnet or that dress or what that young man said or what that young lady said or the amusements they're playing? What glee? Are angels attracted and pressing close around them to ward off the darkness which Satan is pressing upon and around them? No. The angels actually turn away in sorrow. And I see tears upon the faces of these angels. Can it be that the angels of God are made to weep? It is even so. You know, that 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 to me is just, oh my goodness. 
you're leading a life that makes the angels of God weep. The conversations you're having, the things that you're choosing to do is making the angels of God weep. Now, one thing, you know, the angels don't know. They don't know what day will be our last day and our last breath. But they know that that in this world and in this life, they know because they see and they know what kind of life we have to live in order to uh, find find uh, pattern ourselves. I feel like this pattern ourselves after Christ. And so, could it be that in our lives we've made the angels weep? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have too. And it, and 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 it's it's a very it's a very uh, humbling thought to think about, you know. And it may even be that Jesus wept. Jesus weeping over our lives too. You know, it doesn't say that here, but I'm sure that there are times when Jesus is so saddened by our thoughts, our words, our actions, you know, that maybe he does weep. Ain't no more crying in heaven. It won't be any when we get there, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know that Jesus doesn't weep or the it says said right here the angels weep over uh our 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 choices. I'll put it like that. <laughs> our lifestyle choices. Um and it says in the next paragraph, eternal things have little weight with the youth. It says angels of God are in tears as they write in the role, the words and acts of so-called professed Christians. Angels are hovering around yonder dwelling. The young are assembled there. There is the sound of vocal and instrumental music. And again, bringing it forward to our day, all of the other things that we have available now to occupy our time and our attention and to entertain us. And it says, Christians are gathered there, but what is it that you hear? It is a song, a frivolous ditty fit for the dance hall. Behold, the pure angels gather their light closer around them and darkness envelops those in that dwelling. The angels then are moving from the scene and sadness is upon their countenance. Behold, they are weeping. And she said, this I saw repeated a number of times all through the ranks of Sabbath keepers. She said, music is the idol which many professed Sabbath Christians worship. And again, bring that idol forward because I think in her day, you know, they were talking about actually sheet music and that kind of thing. Well, we've progressed way beyond sheet music now. Uh, and so uh, it's not a matter of sitting down at a piano and playing sheet, worldly sheet music anymore. I don't think anybody, not too many people would even know how to do that anymore. But um, music was an idol in her day, but there's so many more things that the devil was, that, that well, I'll put it like this, that technology is, has introduced to us that um, may have become an idol for many people. Um, she says, Satan has no objection to the music. And I'm going to, again, expand that beyond the music. If he can make it a channel through which to gain access to the minds of the youth. She said, anything will suit his purpose that will divert the mind from God and engage the time which should be devoted to his service. Have you ever, have you ever had a day where you said, you know what, I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray and I'm going to study the devotional and study the Sabbath school lesson. I'm going to do this, this, that. 
And then you find yourself at the end of the day, you haven't done any of that. (laughs) (laughs) And then you say, my goodness, Lord, I'm sorry. Um, But I'm really too tired to do that. So you go on to sleep. Oh my goodness. You know, best laid plans of mice and men, right? (laughs) But I think that, I think that just like with anything else, um, pursuing heaven and pursuing a heavenly crown rather than an earthly crown requires a commitment, but also planning so that you plan your time with God. You know, and that uh, I remember this one husband (laughs) and he said, you know, my wife has everything in her planner and if it's not in her planner, it doesn't get done. And so I think, you know, we can we're going to have to be more intentional about planning our time with the Lord. You know, there's some days I just hit the ground running with work. But. It may take getting up a little bit earlier to have that time with with the Lord before I have to hit the ground running, you know? Yeah, have you ever hit the ground running and, you know, the Holy Spirit says, you know, like, take time and pray. And you're like, I got to go. I'll pray in the car. And then the Holy Spirit might be like, Look at your emails, you know, take time and look. I'll, I'll look at that when I get to work, only to find that your first three appointments have canceled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you were like, man, I could have just, I could have spent that time with the Lord. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Patsy, is that you on? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and she says, um, when turned to good account um, music, and again, I'm going to expand that to everything else. Music is a blessing. Uh, music, the computer, the TV, all of that can be a blessing, but it's often made Satan's most attractive agencies to ensnare souls. When abused, it leads the unconsecrated to pride, vanity, and foolishness. When allowed to take the place of devotion and prayer, it is a terrible curse. And she says that um, she was directed to the plain teachings of God's word, which have been passed by unnoticed. In the judgment, all of these words of inspiration will condemn those who have not heeded them. And so, you know, now is the time for us to heed the instructions in the word of God, because later on, we won't have a chance to do that. You know, there's some teachings out there that say that, that, that want that, that there's going to be a secret rapture and then certain people are going to be taken to heaven. Then other people have seven more years to get it right. We know that's just not so that is not the case. And so we know that when the time when the time is over and the time is up, it is up. We're not going to get a second chance. This is our chance. This is our probationary period. And we have to heed the words that are contained in God's word. 
that is that is his let's see how to say basic instructions before leaving earth which is what the bible is <laughs> and uh if we're not heeding them now you know we 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 have we have no hope of heaven because god is not going to make us god is not going to take us to a place where we won't be happy the one paragraph one sentence you read eternal things have little weight with the youth because uh, many times young people think that they are eternal, that they're never going to die, that they'll never grow old, that they'll always be youthful and strong and, you know, ex excited and exuberant, you mm -hmm. know, but life has a way of catching up to you, you mm -hmm. know, and then um, sometimes the young people, they just never learn that mm -hmm. time is winding up very short, you know, and I recall being in church at a young age and, you know, the preacher would preach on different subjects. Well, I didn't care about that. I was too busy thinking of what else I was going to do after church, right? Mm -hmm. But as you mature and recognize that life will pass you by and you'll be left standing there wondering what happened. And as mm -hmm. you mature and learn and grow in Christ, then you do realize that the eternal things are the only thing that matter. You know, mm -hmm. everything else that we look at as young people is stuff that does not matter. It will not matter. It's all just going to burn up, you know, right. and it's just the way that, that life goes sometime, but it's, it's a blessing that God gives us more than second chances to accept his word. You know, he has never just left a person out there without calling them to come home. So mm -hmm. it's a uh, mercy and kindness and love of God that gives us those chances that as we wasted time as young people, and even as adults, we waste time, but thank God for his mercy who gives us more than second chances. Mm -hmm. absolutely and gives us so many chances um it, it is it is up to us though to take advantage of those chances and those opportunities that christ gives us to become more like him uh let's see down in paragraph 507.1 she writes peter writes to the church wherefore gird, gird up the loins of your mind be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And um, again, this goes back to heeding the counsel of the word of God. Be holy as he is holy. Be obedient. Um, not fashioning ourselves in our former lusts and our when we were ignorant and we were pursuing, you know, a sinful course or whatever. Um, but he's called us to be holy. Um, she goes on in the next paragraph um, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. You know, you have to ask yourself sometimes, if Jesus, if Jesus took on our iniquity for us, he died for us, why in the world would we die for ourselves? Why yeah. in the world would we die for ourselves when he already did that for us? 
why wouldn't we live for him at this point? You know? You know, Karen, I think that um, being a Christian have been, remember when, G- when Jesus was on, the, um, was on earth, the Pharisees and Sadducees had put so much, so many rules and regulations on, you know, on serving God, all these extra things. And um, the weightier matter or the things that they needed to do, they downplayed those things like helping out your brother and sister, et cetera, et cetera. And mm-hmm. I do think that somehow in, in um, church, just in Christianity, people put so many rules on it, so many restrictions on being a Christian. And people have the idea that, you know, uh, and I think we kind of address it a little bit today. God will only give us what we need. And, you know, that you have to be like on your last leg, no matter how many times in the Bible, it shows how God blessed people and uh, made them from, they go from slavery to next in charge, et cetera. No matter how much we see how God really worked in the lives of people, we still keep coming back to, you know, he'll give you what you need and and be careful about what you ask for because you just may get all this superstition that we're adding into Christianity and rules that we have about Christianity and stuff. We'll take one little thing, like we was just talking about music, and somebody will walk off saying we should never listen to a secular song when that's not the truth. That's, you know, what she's saying is making an idol all of things, anything, your job, your hair, your eyelashes, your shoes, you know, the guy you, you love, the, you know, your mom, your cousin, anything, nothing should be before God. And that's it. That's, that's all it's saying. And then we trust that God will lead us into, you know, all truth and uh, all love and joy. And those things are so incompatible. You know, you can't say this or do this or walk like this or et cetera. All these rules that somebody would put on your Christian experience with God that has that absolutely nothing to do with God because he hasn't told you not to do that. Maybe he did tell somebody not to have a TV in their home. Maybe because they keep wandering to the porn sites or whatever. Who knows? you know, why God would ask people or give you a commandment and say, hey, this is not good for you, Karen. But, you know, Lee, you can do this. Why? You know, so I'm not talking about breaking the commandments. He's not going to go against himself. So he gives us those 10 commandments. He's not going to change those so we can be happy. But everything that God asks us to do is not going to be, you know, like something we don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. thought I'd say that. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you for that, Lakita. Well said. Um, paragraph 507.3, she says, Peter exhorts the churches to be sober, be vigilant. And we, we, we've heard this verse before, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, and that the end of all things is at hand. So be ye sober, therefore, and watch unto prayer. And sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing 
than for evil doing. And again, this is, this is that counsel in the word that we are admonished to heed. Um, and then let's move on down to the next paragraph, unless there was any comments there. 507.4, where she's talking about um, the youth being in a position where they can with meekness and fear give an answer to every man that asketh the reason for their hope. But they're not in that position. She said, I saw that the youth greatly fail of understanding our position. She said, terrible scenes are just before them, a time of trouble which will test the value of character. Those who have the truth abiding in them will then be developed. Those who have shunned the cross, neglected the word of life, and paid adoration to their own poor selves will be found wanting. They are ensnared by Satan and will learn too late that they have made a terrible mistake. The pleasures they have sought after proved bitter in the end, said the angel, sacrifice all for God. Self must die. The natural desires and propensities of the unrenewed heart must be subdued. Flee to the neglected Bible. The words of inspiration are spoken to you. Pass them not lightly by. You will meet every word again to render an account whether you have been a doer of the word, shaping your life according to the holy teachings of God's word. Holiness of heart and life are necessary. All who have taken the name of Christ and have enlisted in his service should be good soldiers of the cross. They should show that they are dead to the world and that their life is hid with Christ in God. Any comments on that? You know, you can't, you can't get any plainer than that instruction, you know? Flee to the neglected Bible. Yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> you did? Flee to the neglected Bible. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people even have a family Bible. It used to be you go in somebody's house, they all had a big family Bible on the table, even if they mm -hmm. didn't read it. But now a lot of people, they don't have the Bible in their house. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? It's funny that you say that, Lee. I remember going into the house of one of my clients and uh, I had given him some, uh, some Bible study tracks. And I asked him about them and I said, have you been studying them? He said, well, no, I don't have, I, I don't have no Bible. And I said to him, I'm quite sure if I walk through this house, I will find a Bible. And sure enough, all I had to do was look in the next room and there was a Bible. <laughs> and so I think that, you know, of course, I'm not going to say that there aren't houses without Bibles, but there are plenty that do have Bibles and they're just neglected, as, as, as she's saying here. Um, and so if we even took the time to go dust them off, go find them and dust them off. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Let's yeah, go. Well, go ahead, Alvin. I've done some witnessing when I have Bible to pass out to people. And I say, would you like a Bible? I'm like, no, I don't believe in the Bible. Would you want to see for yourself? No. <laughs> I'm like, Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you have to respect their choice. God's going to respect mm -hmm. their choice. Yep. You know, it, 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 it's disappointing and it's saddening, but, you know, most people are not going to make it to heaven <coughs> by their own choice. Uh, let's see. Let's go down to um, paragraph 
uh, 509.2, and then we're gonna end there uh, for today. Um, she says that God is glorified by songs of praise from a pure heart, filled with love and devotion to him. And when consecrated believers assemble, their conversation will not be upon the imperfections of others or <laughs> savor, murmuring or complaining. Charity or love, the bond of perfectness will encircle them. Love to God and their fellow men flows out naturally in words of affection, sympathy, and esteem for their brethren. The peace of God rules in their hearts. Their words are not vain, empty, and frivolous, but to the comfort and edification of one another. Now, I'm going to ask you, Lakita, why you were laughing right there. Um, there's something you said before. Oh, uh, yeah. Dwelling on the imperfections of others. Mm. negative talk and stuff it's just come so easy it's just mm -hmm. you know i don't know why it's so even hard to discuss bible topics with people in the church sometimes you know with with your brothers and sisters in christ mm -hmm. but you know it's just so easy to say all the stuff that you don't need to be saying mm -hmm. that's true that's true and if 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 charity or love is the bond uh, uh, love is the bond of perfectness and we have to be and, and we are admonished by the word of God be perfect as I am perfect then you know the murmuring like you said the murmuring the complaining the putting people down talking about people that will not be a part of our conversation yeah that takes a lot of prayer right there though you know and the Bible says that the tongue is a unruly member who can tame it but God you know that takes a lot of prayer to learn how to just like shut up uh -huh. <laughs> right right tame that tongue um and then she says she's talking about how Christians obey the instructions given to them by Christ if they do they will adorn the religion of the bible and save themselves severe trials and much perplexity which they think um, their afflictions are a consequence of believing unpopular truth. But she says, that's a mistake. She said, many of their trials are of their own creating because of their departure from the word of God. They yield to the world, place themselves on the enemy's battlefield and tempt the devil to tempt them. And then those who adhere strictly to the admonitions and instructions of God's word, prayerfully seeking to know and do his righteous will, feel not the petty grievances daily occurring, the gratitude which they feel and the peace of God ruling within caused them to make melody in their hearts unto the Lord and by words to make mention of the depth of love and thankfulness due their dear Savior, who so loved them as to die that they might have life. No one who has an indwelling Savior will dishonor him before others by producing strains from a musical instrument or a TV or a computer or uh, many of the, the, the uh, electronics we have now, uh, which call the mind away from God and heaven to light and trifling things. There was a lot in that, in that last paragraph. Not just music, but anything that draws right. you away. Absolutely, to light and trifling things. Um, and so we have to be really careful and we have to be really discerning and ask God for discernment um to examine our own lives and say okay lord um what in my life do i need to change and with your help help me to change it 
you know, because we can't we can't do anything in and of ourselves. We can't change our our the fact that we were born in sin, shaping in iniquity. We can't change the fact that um, we um, don't have the strength in and of ourselves to overcome our besetments. But we but we have one who can help us. We have one who is who his he came so that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. So our dependence should be on him, our, our, our confession to him, our dependence should be on him for that transformation that we need in order to make it into the kingdom of heaven. Um, any other comments uh, on this, what we've studied today? Okay, well, if there's no other comments, we're gonna close out for today. And we will pick up uh, the next time at, at paragraph 510.1. Okay, uh, I'll close this out in prayer. Dear kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this time that we were able to spend studying in the spirit of prophecy, Lord. And Lord, as we have studied these things, I pray that you would help us to apply the principles, Lord, of this lesson um, to our own lives, Lord. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, not to make anything an idol or to put away the idols that we do have, Lord, in our lives, Lord Jesus. And that we would, in fact, heed the admonitions contained in your word to become more like you so that when you crack the sky, Lord Jesus, we will look exactly like you in character. We thank you. We praise you for this Sabbath and bringing us safely through another week to the Sabbath. Now I ask you to keep us as we go into the next week. Keep us safe, protect us, Help us in every way that we need help. And we ask you for your blessings. We ask you for um, uh, your protections. And we just ask you, Lord, to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, and that is to save us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Next week we're on chapter 15, paragraph 143.1. Okay. I'm going to just write that down real quickly. One forty one point one, you said? One forty three point one. Oh, one forty three point one. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us today for this discipleship class, and we will see you next week. All right. Have a blessed day. You too.